This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode contains spoilers from The Mortal Instruments, Kingdom of Ash, Tower of Dawn, and The Serpent and Dove Trilogy. Mentions also include The Vampire Diaries, Akhtar, and the MCU. There are also general discussions surrounding grief and loss. Hi, everybody, and welcome to A Court of Phantoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and phantoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And we have literally not like six minutes ago finished Clockwork Princess. This is Jessica's first time dealing with the epilogue. And Jess, I have to ask, I promised, who are you in love with? I can't pick. I kept thinking about it because I was like, the beginning of the epilogue, I was like, it, it's Will. It's it's Will. And then like, then it was just like, or is it Jeff? Like, Jeff's loved her for like a hundred something years. I just I don't even know if I can talk about it right now. Maybe we'll talk through it and I'll have like a final answer. She's had two great loves and they're just so different. But doesn't make them mean she loves either of them any less. You know, it's like when you have multiple best friends and you're like, you love each of your best friends in like a different way because sometimes different ones will bring out a different part of you. Like, that doesn't mean you love one person less. It's just you love them very differently. <laughs> I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I'm so sorry. I literally, I'm still like, and you know, it was like... I remember I started spiraling in the epilogue and it like brought me back to the beginning of Clockwork Princess and I was spiraling then before I even knew before I even knew <laughs> I'm sorry well all I can think of is is what you said to me when we started this was I don't think I'll cry <laughs> I did it. I said there's no other story, no other author who can get me the way like I've cried in Sarah. But this one is just it's so different in how it how like it affects you. Like before, like this, this just felt like you were reading like the epitome of Greek tragedy from the beginning. Oh, no. I <laughs> No, I think I'm good for now. You're good? Um, well, yeah. This So this epilogue, obviously, is famous for just fucking, fucking you up. And it does. Um, so there's a line in the epilogue that people lose it at. Um, is it the one that you were, like, sending me TikTok reactions for? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, but the... Do you know... Did, did you have a, like, specific cry in the epilogue? It went through waves. Like, yeah. I was, I still, because I, I did, I, you know, one of my toxic book traits is when I'm really into a book, when I want to torture myself more, and I'm sure, like, a therapist would love to 
to, to dissect this, I read while I, because I also do the audio, I will listen to the audio while I'm reading it. So I'm like getting hit to, to like tenfold. And it just, it went in waves. There were parts where I just like, I think I couldn't even read the words because I was just sobbing. Just her, just her, her life with Will and then, and then it, it, all, all of it. All of, oh, oh. And then like, I thought I was, I stopped. And then when you found out that Jem found a way to come back for every like pivotal moment in their lives, like that broke me again. It was just, it's all so beautiful. And before even knowing the epilogue, I had sent you a video earlier saying, oh my God, if he's a silent brother, he can't have music and he loves music. And I broke there too. And that was before knowing the epilogue. And it's just, it's just, holy shit. (laughs) Holy crap. Like this is, Oh, it's so, it breaks you. Like, fuck anybody else who talks shit. Like, okay, I get it. I know people are going, you can, I get there are authors that are problematic and you have to acknowledge that and people do their own research, what have you. But that doesn't eliminate the emotions that they can evoke. There, I said it. We're going to get hate. People are going to cancel us. (laughs) Welcome to the fandom. Welcome to the Shadowhunter fandom. It's like this. We're sad all the time. Um, <laughs> Rightfully so. Rightfully so. At one point, through just like through her whole journey, I was like, there's going to be a point where she, like, maybe she'll say, which she does. She kind of did. She sacrificed herself, not knowing what the outcome might be. Um, I feel like it's it's like you don't, but it wasn't for like one or the other. It was for like, for everybody. I don't even know where we're going to start with this episode. I'll start with Will Herondale's epic line. I am catastrophically in love with you. Broke me. How do you, how do you not? Oh, what a, what a, what a line. What a freaking line. Herondale's, Herondale's, they have good lines. Um, Yeah, it's just, he's, it, okay yeah god um <laughs> uh the line that that breaks me in the epilogue is well, all of all of her remembering like mm-hmm. of will and her life with him but the line that breaks me is when she says that she has forgotten the color of his eyes yeah I feel like that what part was upset because it reminded me of when people talk about their own losses. That's a part where it spirals, where it's like whether it's the eyes or their voice or their, and you know, and sometimes in, in some way, us now in 2020, we are very fortunate that if we have videos, if we have, you know, voice memos or what have you, we can listen to those if we're feeling like there, there are certain like voicemails that I have on my phone that I won't get rid of. Like they're there forever. I don't care if it's been 10 years or I have videos or photos, but this is, this is the 1800s. Like she doesn't get that. And then they died. He died in like 18, 1937. So she didn't have that, you know, it's just like that moment where she's like, I, I can't remember his voice or his eyes. And then you think of like, maybe things that you've gone through and you're just like oh my gosh you know that 
I, I never want to have that feeling, you know? Well, and then as long as we're just going to be sad, um, <laughs> Tessa, Tessa says, like, right, right away, Tessa says, like, um, Jem is, he's mortal. Like, I'm going to have to do this all over again. I texted you that when I, when he had black hair. I go, he's not Brother Zachariah anymore. So this is post, uh, more like the, the sixth book of the Mortal Instruments. This is post that epilogue. It's all very, very sad. And then you know, oh, you know, you know my love for Magnus and the fact that she and I and I understand Tessa's decision after Will died. She's like, and it goes with that saying that a lot of people say, like, no parent should ever have to go through the loss of their child because, like, typically circle of life, that's not how it's supposed to be. Um. So I can see why she's like, I need to remove myself because this is, and you know, and she goes to Magnus and I love their friendship and you just know it's just going to grow from there. And then he's just, and he, and he says it, he goes, the first one's always the hardest. And she's like the first one and like the first person you fall in love with. And this is like, and, and we also know Magnus now too. And it just, but it, it's so different because they're the love that her and Will had I would love to be say like it's a it's a once in a lifetime love and it's a once in a lifetime love for them because she also has another once in a lifetime love with Jem. But also, you know, like Jem and Will also have like like they, this bond <sighs> too. Right. So it's it's not like it's it's perfect it's perfect thruple like, material. I had I have said I go, I want, I want them in a polyamorous, nobody would be upset. No, but there would be no jealousy. And even when Jem sent Will off, like he wasn't, he's like, if I can't be there, I'm so glad that there's somebody else who loves her as much as I love her, you know? And I, it's the one instance where I feel like Will would be so happy that, Tessa is with like if there's any but you know how you see those TikToks where it's like oh people will be saying like my husband would say, I, I would you she would want your husband you, she would want you to move on and I'm always like no I won't like I'm stalking your ass <laughs> um, it's just such a special different love that he's like you know what I'm glad that they're getting their time now because look at how fulfilled she made my life I almost wish he died in battle and not had like this full life <laughs> Well, and that's the thing you were saying, like, oh no, like every everything you're like, oh no, with Will, with Will, and then um, I kept saying, oh my god, this is foreshadowing. He's gonna yeah. die and then battle or whatever. And it was foreshadowing, but just to just a, a a tragic death, but like not really. He died, you know, loved and old age, accomplished, and you know, surrounded by family and friends with Tessa and. And and Jem, like he had a fantastic life. So, uh, but um, what you brought up is now is the perfect time. So what I have done for everybody listening is I have <laughs> screenshot um, pages from the Mortal Instruments. This is the wedding reception of Clary's mom, and it's the introduction of Clary and Tessa. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to send these pages to Jessica. And she is going to read them. And, um, you know, through the magic of editing, this will be like instant. <laughs> it will be instant. Um, and then, so yeah, we will probably cut here and then pick up with uh, Jess's reaction to this. <laughs> 
so through the magic of editing, we are picking back up and where we are picking back up. <laughs> um, Jess has read the pages. It's like 12 pages that I screenshot <laughs> on my phone and sent to her from Heavenly Fire with the Tessa and Jem and Clary kind of interaction. And um, Jess through a different lens. How does that hit? You've already read that. So now what is it like for you? Now I like the epilogue. I, you know what I was thinking when I was reading Clockwork Princess? I was like, finally, an epilogue that I actually like, even though I'm sobbing through it. And then, because every other epilogue, I was just like, ugh, I was over it. I was, you know what it is? I just wish it wouldn't have been an epilogue. It just would have been integrated more into the book. I think that's what it was, because it felt like it was rushed. Now, Heavenly Fire epilogue is my new favorite epilogue. I mean, aside from the Clockwork Princess. So I think I, I think before we get into like what actually happens in Clockwork Princess, because we've kind of just skated around it, um, this is your ninth Shadowhunter book. Oh, crap. How do you feel about the Shadowhunter universe? I, well, obviously I like it more than I was expecting. I, there's just so, I don't want to say there's, it's weird. I feel like this series, The Infernal Devices, part of Shadowhunters, hit so hard than the mortal instruments ever could. I, I you know, I under, I, I can see the um, why that had to be done first. I feel like, and maybe we touched on this on Clockwork Prince, that once you go through it, I guess through release order or what have you, then you get to like do all the different tie-ins. It's like doing the like the whole MCU. You read it release date and then you do a chronological. And it's and I know I said this with um the beginning of Throne of Glass, where to reread Throne of Glass knowing what you know, or if you went from Throne of Glass, Crown of Midnight, Assassin's Blade, take everything you know from Assassin's Blade and then restart your your reading journey. That is is wild. So to, I I had no intention, maybe for like books four and five, um, of rereading the Mortal Instruments. But now I kind of want to, or at least like anything with Magnus and, uh, and Jem. Ugh. Well, and that's the thing, like knowing what we know, and what we know is that Jem made his first appearance in four very casually he's just mentioned as like oh that uh, one of the that like person, a silent brother yeah. yeah like that person is brother zachariah and then he comes into his own in book five and then um he becomes you know he's back to gem and in book six and like so knowing that okay so Je- just put it put it to rest how do you feel about how i told you to approach this series how do you feel about my spoilers all of it i i think i told you earlier this week that i absolutely love the way that because i understand that they were spoilers because if i didn't have that i would have just i wouldn't have put the pieces together because i'm not the smartest you know person um but it it must have been this huge reveal for the readers to find out Especially, like, upon release or, you know, if you don't have you guiding them. Um, that Jem is Brother Zachariah. 
I'm glad that I know because I just, I think I would have read it. I would have enjoyed it. It would have been fine, but I wouldn't have been as invested. I, I don't know if that's the right word. I had, I mean, clearly the whole reading experience has, was changed for me. It, and it also helped, like, if you think of the mortal instruments that you had to spoil the big spoiler, it helped me overcome that whole, oh my gosh, they're brother and sister. They're not brother and sister. I, I have no complaints, but when have I had a complaint when it comes to your guidance of reading? <laughs> Except that I was just like, I was sending you reaction videos, laughing and sobbing and just saying, fuck you as I continue everything. But it was all out of love. My favorite reaction video that you sent me was you starting off laughing and then <laughs> and then you processed something and then you started crying as you were laughing and then you turned into a sob. That was kind of my favorite thing. And I I so again, I did I spoiled that gem is brother Zachariah on purpose so that you would make this connection and so that we could go back and revisit these pages and so you could make this connection between these two series, right? Like cuz that's important. And then what does Tessa do? Like in in Heavenly Fire, Tessa gives Clary the codex that Charlotte had given to her. Like, oh my God. And then she gives Clary the Herondale ring. She said, this is James Herondale's ring. And James was her, her son. son. So like, oh my God. Right? Like, and the first time you're reading that, you're like, I don't know who these people are. Like, whatever. Like, it's not important. Uh-huh. But now it's like, oh my God. And every and, little oh. thing is like, it, it's, it's every little thing is so important. And sometimes I go, huh, there's so many names. And I remember with reading Throne of Glass, you just said, look, don't worry about the characters unless they have a name. And then I was reading The Mortal Instruments and I go, it's taking me so long to to go through it because there's so many names. I, I'm under the Throne of Glass mindset that every name means something. And you were like, don't worry about that. And now I feel like I have to worry about that because every every name, because even when um, they were talking about, they were, you know, they had the council, um, they were doing the whole meeting with the shadow hunters, and they talked about Amalia Morgenstern. And I go, well, I know that name. Like, she might not be a bad person, but like everybody else sure as hell will be, you know. Okay, but I so- know that now. <laughs> So this is what I was uh, kind of talking about briefly. Um, Jess, we were talking about it privately, that the reason that I love Shadowhunter so much is because I love the Infernal Devices so much. And because of that, I've read everything else because I just love the world. And because the the immortal characters are threaded so well like throughout all of it so that you have like constants in a changing world it feels so organic how it's done too it doesn't feel forced and i don't know like that's just the magic of her writing style it's it's wonderful but like the 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 families and the world building being so complete and like the politics being so thorough as you said, like you recognize the names, you recognize the places, you recognize the like mythology and the ceremonies and stuff. So that when you pick up any Shadow Hunter book, knowing that all that stuff is consistent, it's like revisiting friends and it's comforting. And that's why like all of them are my comfort books. Even though this one is devastatingly <laughs> sad. Are they all this sad? 
They're not all this sad. This one but is. They are. But I feel like that the caveat is they're sad, but they're not this sad. <laughs> you know, they're all yeah. You, you know, the ones in L.A. are pretty are sad too. But like this one is the one that is uh, like the tragedy. Like this is the tragic one, um, just because. Like Will, Will is the tragedy here, right? Like, you could say like Tessa is also the tragedy, but also Jem had a tragedy too. Like, okay, they all let, let's, like they, they all did. Let Let's start at the beginning because the beginning is fun. The beginning is funny. The beginning is lightworms. The beginning is um, uh, Benedict Lightworm or Lightwood <laughs> succumbing to Demon Pox, and Demon Pox is just funny <laughs> i love i mean granted i know we should start at the beginning but in the epilogue when she's revisiting all of the memories and like they taught their kids the demon box song and then they would sing it around sophie and sophie's like what are you doing and all the kids were just like you know like thinking it was like this hilarious thing because you know you're getting you know basically aunt sophie all riled up and everyone's just laughing and you know how kids are you tell them not to do something and then they just want to do it more because they love the reaction and they made it this family thing and he also wrote books on it like he like <laughs> Like, of course he did. <laughs> of course he did. It's, and, the, you know, that's why we love him so much. But so we have Demon Pox and, and you know, Jem comes in. And he's like, well, it's your it's your two favorite words. He's like, Demon Pox. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so great. And, the, and then Gabriel, I, you know, I do feel bad for Gabriel. But Gabriel is like, you know, my dad, you know, my father's a worm. He turned into a worm. And everyone's <laughs> like, we know, we know he's a piece of shit. We know he's a worm. Like, you right. know, you're like, <laughs> no, you're, like, not figuratively. <laughs> he's like, he's a 20 foot worm. <laughs> it's so funny. Oh, my God. I love it so much. But obviously, I, like, poor Gabriel. I, I, mm, it took a long time for me to warm up to Gabriel. But talking it out from the beginning, you know, like, he is the eldest son. He had a sense of... Oh, that's Gideon. Gideon's the oh, oldest. Oh, Gideon was... I thought, I always took it that G- Gabriel was the... Over- okay, yeah. then I retract everything I was about to say. Yeah. Never mind. I digress. No, he's... Yeah, he's the he's the younger. Um, yeah. Oh, my God. I feel so bad for Gabriel. So, yeah. So, he Gabriel, like, comes to the Institute, right? And he's like, you know, my dad's a worm. So, everybody, everybody goes off, right? But... Tessa is in her wedding dress, right? Like, because she's getting married to Jem, and oh my god! But then we have the fantastic interaction. Um, we get we get to um, uh, we get to Lightwood Manor in Chiswick, and they're like Tessa, you can't fight. You're in a wedding dress. Like even Will couldn't fight if he's in a wedding dress. And Will's yeah, it has like, nothing to do with you're a woman. Like nobody could fight in that. <laughs> yeah, and, and Will's like, you know, I probably couldn't, but I'd be a radiant bride. It's like, oh, you know, you would. He has another line like that too. He's like, I'd be a stunning woman. It's like, you know, he probably would. <laughs> oh yeah, it was like in, it was in chapter twenty three or twenty four because yeah. oh because he was formally trying to court uh, Tessa. And she was just, she was over it because she was just like, you're not being the will that I basically fell in love with. Like, get your shit together. And that's when they were able to get their banter back on track because he's like being all, you know, I don't want to say stodgy, but just being formal and, you know, being a gentleman of the 1800s and not Will the Shadow Hunter. Love him. I love him so much. Um, 
Okay, okay, okay. So we meet Tatiana, and Tatiana is the Lightwood sister, and her husband is dead, and she has, like, all of this, like, weird drama. Okay, whatever. And then they kill, there's a battle, and they kill Benedict. Right. And and there's a lot of guilt there, because, like, Gabriel and Gideon are, like, fighting him, and, and later, uh, Gabriel has this whole thing. He's like, you know, if that demon was my, wasn't my dad, then where is he? Like, he, I keep thinking he's gonna walk in, like... He has all of this guilt. And again, I feel bad for Gabriel. Um, and so there's a couple of like plots going on here, right? There's like the subplot of the consul, Consul right. Whalen, and all the of politi- that. The shadow hunter politics. Yeah, the, po- the politics subplot. There's the Will and Tessa subplot. The Will or the Gem and Tessa subplot. And then there's like the overarching subplot of like automatons. Yeah, the yeah. automatons. Like, and the automatons. Yeah. yeah, that's like the main plot. So there's like a lot going on here. Uh, and then, you know, Cecily is there. And I just, uh, I just love them so much. So, just like as your ninth Shadow Hunter book. <laughs> that's wild. When you say that number, it's wild to me. I know. Who would have thought? But as your ninth Shadow Hunter book, uh, do you. Uh, do you see anything like consistent? Do you, do you like the consistency in the world building? Like this, so this is like old timey. So where we get like old timey versions of things. I bring this up. Like we get the the creation of the portal. Um, I do like. There's a lot of stuff that I. How do I? How do I? There's a lot of stuff from these books that you see the origin stories of. For from and I say these books, the infernal devices being the origin story for a lot of the things we see in the moral instruments. You have the portal key, you have the history of the necklace that senses demon, the the necklace that Magnus gave to Will and then he gave to his sister that senses if demons were coming to approach. You find out where the Herendel birthmark essentially. I mean, where that stems from and... Fucking in a cave. Why not, you know? There it's like it. literally, see, there's such a difference between end of the world sex here and like the bullshit end of the world sex and Serpent and Dove, okay? <laughs> two very different things, two very different loves and, you know, one was toxic, the other wasn't. <laughs> There is a joke about this. So um, when when uh, Jace and Will are eventually like in heaven together and Jace will be like, man, it took me like six books to get laid. And Will's like, fuck you. It took me three. <laughs> it's just a funny like. Oh, six books. Yeah. Six, I, I thought you said six pokes. And oh. I was like, mm, I don't know. No. We should really be bragging yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Six books, yeah. It's just, it's so funny. It's just one of those, like, funny... There's so many, like, Shadowhunter in-jokes, and, like, that is one of them. Uh, another Shadowhunter in-joke was the ducks. The ducks were repeated over and over again. We they love that. They said it that. again. Like, it wasn't just the one... And she even says it at the end. She says... They they talk... They joke about the ducks in, like, chapter 23 or 24, I think. Yeah, it's just like, oh... And then, like, Jay's jokes about ducks, and ugh, we just we just love that. Um, So, the big plot points in this. So... Jem and Tessa are like racing and desperate to get married, right? Because why? Because Jem is dying. They're um, racing the clock, at, like his clock at this point. Yeah. And unbeknownst to all of them, what is Jem doing? 
He's not taking... No, he is taking... He is taking the Yinfen. He's taking a shitload of Yinfen. Because he, he said he'd rather live a full life, even if it's short, to have a full life with Tessa than, like, this long, drawn-out, sickly unfulfilled life yeah there's what is it it's like there's more to life than not dying yeah because he was taking just enough to not die and a little bit before battle to you know give him energy but not enough to 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 live, live. yeah right. and, he, and he wanted to live and his i mean all, all everything jem says is just like oh my god but like what he says to will when will confronts him about this and he and he's just like you know i i was better I was better and I told Tessa, like, you know, your love has made me strong. Your love has made me better. And then I had an attack and then I wasn't better. And how could I tell her when I had built it up like this? And like all of that. And and you don't want uh, her to like think. And we have to like remember that this is the 1800s. So everything is very, you know, so much is based on perception. He goes, I didn't want to put that on her to think, you know, like you said, I built up this whole thing that her love is the reason I am strong when that really wasn't the case. But I think we all want to believe that at some point or another. And then to say, I don't, I didn't want her thinking that her love, our love wasn't strong enough. And I couldn't put that like, they all have such guilt amongst each other that if they just put that aside, I mean, I understand that that's like part of the whole, you know, vulnerability and masochist and like imposter syndrome we all carry um especially amongst these characters but if they just like put that guilt aside like things would be so much easier you know it it would but you know you know that's just us (laughs) real life (laughs) yeah that's just us in real life but characters in books uh Characters in books. How do you feel about Tessa? I told you in Prince that people have like thoughts about Tessa. I like her still. Mm -hmm. I like her still. Uh, I don't know if that's a hot take because I'm not on Shadowhunter TikTok. I'm not, I don't know a lot of Shadowhunter accounts. Um, But I, I like her. I don't understand the criticism. I sent you a reaction video because that's all we've been really doing this week is reaction videos. Um, perhaps we'll post some on TikTok. But we, um, I said, you know, everybody craps on her, but I'd like how direct, like I feel the more assured that she's become in herself and her place amongst the shadow hunters, even though she's not a shadow hunter herself, she has become more assured in the decisions that she makes. She's not looking to other people to say like, is this okay? Or is this okay? She's kind of just, you know what? Do it first. Ask for forgiveness later. If that's what it comes to. I really respect that. Um, The part that broke me amongst many one of them is when she was talking to Jim and they were severing their bond. And he's basically like, let's make this pact that we'll see each other for an hour every year. And um, who knows? I actually might say this without crying. Um, They're talking through this pact and she's so logical about it. She goes, you know what? I, I get it. I, I don't have to like it, but seeing you one hour every year, is so much better than visiting your gravestone whenever I want. And I mean, who wouldn't want that opportunity 
to to see somebody they care about to say, you know, what, if it's one or the other, you have to pick. This is the lesser of the evils. I'll take it, you know. And when she or even when she's battling Mortmain and she digs into her, her um, clockwork necklace, her clockwork angel necklace, and she thinks of everybody else and she thinks of bigger picture. She's not thinking she shapeshifts into an actual angel. You know, she's I, I think she's just I think she's smart. I think she's practical. I think she's logical. I don't understand why people hate on her unless it's just a whole Bella Edward Jacob thing of she should have picked this person and not that person because it, it, it's it's so much more than that. I think I feel the criticism is that she doesn't really do much, which I disagree with, and that her like main focus is like you know a, an object for boys to like fight over. But I would argue that they don't fight over her. I don't think where yeah I I'm with you with there. Where's the fighting that once? And if we actually like if you break it down, neither one of them and they and they talk about that. I can't remember if it's at the, during their like bromance speech. I think it is with their their the bromance chapter of them like coming forward with their emotions to be like. You know, Will even said, I was so focused on, you know, myself working on me, trying to be a better person for her. And I was so self-involved that I wasn't looking at the world around me. And if I had, I would have known that you were following, you were in love with her and I wouldn't have done anything. And in the same respect, Jem even said, I was, if I, you know, you were off doing your own thing. You're my parabatai. You're my best friend. Like, if I wasn't so self-involved in my feelings and, like, focusing on Tessa and, like, acclimating her, I would have also seen you were so in love with her. And everybody else in the Shadowhunters Institute are all watching this happen. They all know that they, like, but nobody's saying anything, you know? And I think it was just, like you said, nobody ever fought over her, if anything. I mean, it, and they loved each, like, they love each other, as brothers is more than that. Like they say that they, as Parabatai, they are one soul. They are each other, essentially. And I think, I think it would have been a beautiful polyamorous relationship. Uh, Laura, you said a hot take on TikTok the other day saying, you know, everybody talks about Stefan, Elena, and Damon. She's like, what? You, you, you said no, that's, that's not, that's not what the, people the three people people should be arguing about are having uh tessa gem and will all in one relationship it is harder to to me like and and it's even you could even argue like there's immortality uh, is in play in both of them uh mm-hmm. you know there there's like years you want to talk expanse. about si- oh here there's another one you want to talk about siblings stefan and damon are siblings like let's you know, if people want to like crap on Shadowhunters, yeah. let's crap on everything. You know, yeah, let's let's yeah, let's don't crap. pick and choose where you want your rules to apply. So there, there's so many hills that the Shadowhunter fandom can die on. Like, ugh. is there it? a favorite ugh. one that you have? Is there a favorite one that I have? Or have I not? Have we not visited yet? Um, I, no, it's, I don't think so. It, it's just, I guess, I guess my favorite hill is that like the books are good, <laughs> like. <laughs> I always, when I think of the way people rate books, I, well, I'm not somebody who rates it on like, oh, it was, it was very intellectual or it was this, it was, you know, 
it created this stimulating conversation, which actually it does with us because we've been really yeah. down yeah. with the patriarchy yeah. this week. Yeah. Um, but if it evokes any sort of visceral reaction or emotion, how can you, how can you, I mean, I can't. Maybe maybe I need to shut my mouth because there are books that I viscerally hate and I don't like. That doesn't mean they're good. I'm gonna stuff while I'm But you're you're talking about a visceral reaction. Like you were in the middle of the park, like screaming about the console and yeah. and, ha- and how he was treating Charlotte and, and and so take 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 that. Like Oh, so okay. So it was basically I was so annoyed with the console because that finally, you know, Charlotte was just doing her own thing. And then Josiah Wayland is all, you can't do that. You can't do things just because you want to. You need to out. You have to go through me first. And she goes, okay. So she starts doing that and she starts communicating with him more. She takes that constructive criticism and she's like, well, I still, you know, obviously I want to still be successful in my role as at the Institute. Let me do what he's instructed me to do. So she goes, look, Will went on his own. I did not okay it. I wanted you to know that this is where we are. We have information on Mortmain. We need your assistance. We need assistance from the ca- the clave. We need your approval as the council. We need we need to move forward with this. So then he writes back when basically fix yourself, fix your mind, remember who you are. And I just it set me off because you just you know, it was never about her going to permission. It was always about him and his power and his control. He's said in multiple times, Oh, well, you know, I thought her being married to Henry was gonna like shape her up because God forbid a woman is in power, especially in the eighteen hundreds. I mean, even now, but that's a whole different conversation. And um and he was just denying her. Anyway, he was every time she asked for something from that, you know, it was just she did. She was doing what she, he asked and he still denied her. And I got so pissed. And I was just saying, you know, this is why women just should be doing whatever we want anyway, because no one's going to listen to us until after it's done. And we'll, we're going to face the backlash if we ask for permission. And then we face the backlash if we don't. So, like, what the fuck does it matter at this point? It was very satisfying when um, Council Josiah Wayland is murdered and killed at the end. Absolutely, like, didn't you send me? So you know that you know that um, Loki meme that you send me yeah. about Benedict. I felt oh, the same sad. way. Anyway, uh, so anyway, that's it. I felt the same exact way when he got decapitated by an automaton. I was like, finally. And what did I say? <laughs> I said in my voice memo, I can't wait till an automaton crawls off your goddamn ass and kills you. <laughs> So, um, oh my God, yeah. How how do we feel about um, uh, Tessa being a Starkweather? How do you feel about that whole reveal? That whole reveal is like a lot of the book. It when I think about them when from I think it was Clockwork Prince when they went to see him initially, it made like it reminded me. I go, that's why he remember he was going to turn them away. He didn't know why. He really didn't know why, but he, there was something familiar about her that drew him in, and he didn't even know. Um, I thought it was really interesting. I liked knowing the background. I really appreciated knowing the background of how and why Tessa is the way she is. And, you know, everybody says she's a warlock, but she's a special type of warlock. I feel like that's the closest name in the Shadowhunter world that they have for her. 
but for all intents and purposes, she isn't. You know, she's she's a shapeshifter with additional abilities. Um, but that that's you know everything needs a name, so they're like, yeah, we'll go with Warlock Ish because of I guess like where her family is. Yeah, but because but that doesn't make her a downworlder either. It's, exactly. It's very, Exactly. You know. The shadow hunter blood is always dominant. Right. So she like her shadow hunter side is dominated, even though her mother was like in my head I think of it as like unconsecrated. Like her mother was an unmarked shadow Which hunter. Was what allowed her to be born because yeah. her mother being unmarked if her mother was marked, she would have been born stillborn. But because yes. her mother was taken away before all of the ceremonies and was switched out, you know, at first I thought it was gonna be they were gonna say a changeling because that's typically what happens and there was a reference to changeling in the mortal instruments and then again in the clockwork prince we ha- we meet hyacinth who was a changeling but i kept expecting to have hyacinth circle back around i she just had such a dominant role that i really was expecting to see her come around again and she didn't and that threw me off interesting interesting Uh, okay (laughs) (laughs) um so how how do we feel about okay i'm trying to think of like the major like epic plot points that happen in this book because i have been so focused on like the epilogue because i never read it so like what happens in this rightfully so honestly i finished chapter 24 and i texted you because i I let you know where i was at throughout the day where i was wrapping things up and like okay i'm at end of 24 that's sweet it's in a nice little ribbon i could have been fine i should have ended (laughs) there i should have ended there um it's not as strong as an ending as the epilogue, but let's, you know, that that's what that would have been fine. Um, the epilogue just kind of brings, I mean, they say it, everything comes, like the last line, everything. Oh, wait. No, we're good. Everything comes to full circle. Everything I comes will full say, circle. as I was reading, okay, I might start crying. As I was reading the epilogue, I immediately bought a first edition signed Cassie Clay. <laughs> did you? I did. I was like, oh, look, first edition signed Cassie Claire, Clockwork Princess with original cover. Yes, please. Click add to cart. Um, this is what happens when you get adult money. Um, so that was the first thing. And then as I was crying, oh, and then there's a, there's in the, right? before the acknowledgments after the epilogue there's a whole like little paragraph that's called like tess's london or something and i was just crying and i was like can we do a vacation we do like a a, a infernal devices vacation and go to london you could come here for the day we'll do all of our new new york stops for like a mortal instruments tour and then we can leave from jfk and go over to heathrow (laughs) That was that was my other. <laughs> I mean, obviously, of course. Um, so I have I don't have a signed Classy Claire. I have just a first edition Clockwork Princess. But I'm looking at the dust cover on the inside, and it is a family tree. And I <gasps> and I just wanted to bring up. You've been wanting. I've been asking for this family tree, but you said you'll give it to me when the time is right. I don't know if it's yet. I just wanted to bring up that. Um, Alec, our Alec, 
that we know and love. We love Alex. His full name is Alexander Gideon Lightwood. And Isabel's full name is Isabel Sophia Lightwood. <laughs> and we we have lost Jess. <gasps> no. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that just it, I why oh, you know this is another author, especially when like the worlds are so detailed and intertwined. I need to know their their storyboard map because they have to have the strings and everything everywhere. I want to know if these ideas come from a seedling, if it's just a huge big picture thing, and then you have to work it out. What I I mean, I I need to know like. <laughs> I need to understand people's process because when it's so detailed like this, how, 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 because I'm lucky if I remember my lunch last week, you know, which is probably just like coffee and seltzer. <laughs> Isn't that special? Like, like we, we know, we know them. Like you love Isabel. And now how special is it that her name, like, not that I'd, not that I'll ever have kids, but like. I'm definitely not naming them after my family. Like, I'd name them after characters in these books. Characters in a book. Uh, uh, what The great line from Infernal Devices, like, you know, when I don't know what to do, I picture myself as a character in a book. It's easier to know what they would do. Uh, oh, God. It is so tragic. Okay. So, Jessamine dies in yeah. this book. And that is Good. something that I wanted to bring up. So Jessamine dies. She dies very, I, I would say, like, tragically. She dies in Will's arms, you right. know, um, you know, just, like, all laid out after her stay in the Silent City. And, you know, she says to Will, like, you're a terrible Welshman, and we find out why, um, you know, all of that. But Jessamine comes back, and Will talks to her as a ghost, because Herondales can talk to ghosts. Um, so she says, like, she is going to stay here, uh, it's part of she her. She had the choice. She yeah. had the choice, I thought. It was, yeah. you know, she, it was either for her to move on because Will even said, like, why are you why still are you here? here? Do you not want to move on? And he goes, it's kind of ironic that you wanted to be the furthest away from the Institute and Shadowhunters, and yet here you are. And then she goes, yeah, well, you know, she kind of like grew an affinity to it and all. And, you know, she gets to overlook the, the Institute, which obviously, or maybe this isn't me just being presumptuous, that she'll be a reoccurring character at some point in the future. Well, well, let me stop you right there. We have already met her in a way. They've spoken about her, and I'm going to tell you where. Uh, so, when Sebastian was attacking institutes right. with the Endarkened, he was unable to breach the, the London. London Institute because there was protection on the London Institute that even the occupants were unaware of. Huh. Who do you think that is? Then it was Jessamine. It was Jessamine. But then how come, okay, then um, bigger question, like, then why doesn't every institute have a, a, like, you know, a nearly headless Nick, basically? Like, uh, everyone have a ghost? Yeah. Um, because not everyone, well, they might, but not everyone can, like, see them, right? So, like, Herondales are documented to being able to see ghosts. There are no Herondales left except for Jace, Jace. now. Yeah. 
So like Jace wasn't in the London Institute. So like who would know that there was a ghost there, you know? Right, right. But like, what about the other institutes? Like if there was a protection, if there was a ghost at all the other institutes, wouldn't those ghosts have been protecting them is what I'm at. These are my questions. These are good questions. These are good questions. But Jessamine protected the London Institute against Sebastian and in doing so protected uh, Julian Blackthorne's uncle saved his life. And now Julian's uncle is going to run the L.A. Institute with Julian and Emma Carstairs. And that is where Jem and Tessa are going. Are off to. So we get to see them again. Yes, Jem and Tessa show up in later books. Like they like trickle in. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah, they, they, they dip in and out. And of course, um, I told you Jem has his own little novella. Yeah. 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 He has his own novella. Um, okay, so in in what else happens in this book? In this book, Je- okay, so Jessamine Jessamine dies and also nudges him to be like, how how many more? Ca- I love her. She goes, how many co- more carriage rides can you bring this girl on? She could give you a tour of London herself. Oh, it's so funny. She's like, it's was, so good. It's I'm courting so good. her. I was courting her. It's like, oh, will sweet and awkward. Um, okay, yeah. He's so- like, I don't know if she loves me. What? Oh my god! What? Oh my gosh! Will Ca- Will Will Carstairs could could happen? Uh, Will Harrendale, your imposter syndrome is screaming. I know that that poor beautiful broken boy. Um. Okay. So, uh, Tessa Tessa gets kidnapped, right? So like Jessamine Jessamine dies. Also, how many times can this girl get kidnapped? Like, well, this is the last time, right? Like, <laughs> Thank God. It's the big one. Like, yeah, Tessa gets kidnapped and Jem runs after her, right? Like, Jem goes and and, and he, like, he can't find her and he comes back and he says, like, she's gone and, um, he, he collapses right there. And, like, that's the, uh, that's, that is the beginning of the end of James Carstairs. That moment right there in, like, the, the courtyard of everything. It's that, that's it. And, oh my God, it's just, it's so fucking sad. And then he has the, the like talk with um with Jem about Will has the talk with Jem about like going to to Carter Idris and oh my god just I want to go there it sounds so pretty I know right I mean it, I've never been to Wales in general but uh, Wales is Wales is beautiful um and oh okay so the narrator in this book does give Will a Welsh accent and he gets and sassy and sassy and and I love it I love it I love the the differentiation of the voice okay so um. It it just gets really painful from here. It's all painful. <laughs> it's it's all painful. It's all painful. Jess, look at your notes. Like where I forgot to take them. They were all doing. They were just wound up being reactions. So Will is going to go to Wales, but prior to all this, it's he he's he's going there because Tess has been taken. Well, also Mortmain, but like Tess has been taken, and nobody knows this until. They basically see Jem collapse. So after they are figuring out Jem's health, and after they have a, I mean, are we going to talk about the bromance talk that Ugh. they have? Where would I mean, it breaks your heart, but you love it so much. It's like, uh, uh, what do you mean? What does Sophie mean? Like that you're in love with Tessa? Like, oh, uh... I like how everybody kept debating it. Everybody kept evading it. And Sophie didn't answer. And she just evaded the question. And he goes, but he saw her face like the one time he was super coherent. 
And I mean, everybody just knew. And Sophie was even like, I, I kind of, I don't want to betray anybody. So she's just, you know, just, just being Sophie and be like, I'll, I'll take care of it. And he goes, is that what I, I know what you mean by that face or something? And then he asks Will when Will comes in. I mean, I think it, it really helps everybody in that moment for Jem to, I just, I feel like it was that permission that everybody was looking for, you know, Will was looking for that permission to go see Tessa. Jem needed, had that reassurance that somebody else was going to be there for Tessa. It took a moment for, well, I can't remember at what point did he realize, oh, because Tessa told him that she loves Will also. But not in that moment, no. No, later. Yeah, it was later. Which, all that part made me really sad too because he asked her he goes did you ever love me like there had to be a sliver of doubt and you know i just felt bad for him but i digress so we're we're back at the you know basically jem goes go get our girl basically after they have this beautiful bromance conversation that's just you're sobbing you just love them both so much and love love in this book and will goes off he's pushing balios as hard as he can that's the, the horse and everybody is just basically tending to Jem 24-7 because he's basically in his final hours. And Will goes, We he stays with the wolves at one point. With, we see Woolsey Scott again. And the wolves basically attack him unprovoked. And Will is just angry at the world. So he doesn't care. He's going to fight back. And it's well within his right because he was being attacked but why is he um, why is he angry? It's because of oh, because he finds out that uh his parabatai rune has like started burning because that was how he found out that Jem had finally died. Or so we think. It's he so died. it's so fucking sad. Okay. So okay, pause right there. So uh Jess, you asked you were asking me about like the mechanics and like how how Jem became like a silent brother. Like they he, they went through it. Was that answered for you? Yeah, it was answered. I mean, it was like a, it was, it had to be basic, like, this is what's my takeaway is the Silent Brothers wouldn't take him because he had the Yin Fen in his system. So it had to be in his absolute dying moments where there was a crossover of, you know, I get, if you think about it, like the way I kind of had to think of it is like when pe- somebody is flatlining and right before you're resuscitating them, that's when the Silent Brothers had to kind of do the the runes and all that stuff. But there's still a little bit in his system, which we find out, um, it, it'll prevent him from being like a f- certain capabilities of being a full-fledged Silent Brother, but like... That's just from a technical standpoint. He's still considered a silent brother. A, if why? Okay, how come everybody in the Institute was allowed to know that this was going to happen except Will? And, well, Tessa wasn't there, so she didn't find out. But, like, how come that, like, why, why was that? Was it more of a selflessness because Jem didn't think anybody would, like, Will and Tessa would go if they, if he presented this to them? I think so. I think it was uh, Will wouldn't go. Will Will wouldn't go if he knew that that's what Jem was going to choose. I also kind of think that maybe it was um like a like a like a last 
like a like a like staring down the like 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 death is looming and 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 you kind of have like that moment of like I don't want to die kind of thing and like I will I will be here to be with the people that I love um in any way that I can in in that well, like Well I guess that's that's mentioned when Jem and well Charlotte is at Jem's bedside and he goes, my only regret is I won't see your child or something. I was sobbing there. He's he like, goes, I will stay alive for if that is what you if request. you want, yeah. But if, uh, but I I don't want to fight anymore. Yeah, he's like, I'm tired. Like I I don't want to I don't want to fight anymore. I want to, you know, I wish I could be here and be with the baby. You'll be a wonderful mother. Just, oh my God, I was sobbing because then like, like what we know, cause, cause, cause the, the way that, you know, I had you read the story, like we know that Jem is a silent brother and we know that they, they have like their cold and they have like that glass between them and like emotions. Right. So like, yes, he's there and he does see the baby, but he doesn't like, it's very, they're very stoic. They're yeah. not supposed to be, I feel like that it's, for Jem specifically, and maybe not all the Silent Brothers, that was his defense mechanism. Because when you have Tessa going through these instances in the epilogue, when she, when they, he comes, you know, it's almost like he is the exclusive uh, Silent Brother to the Herondale fa- family because we know Silent Brothers aren't just, you know, they're they're doctors, they're physicians, they're they're priests they're kind of all encompassing and you see that a lot with this book as opposed to the mortal instruments because they're very scary and very intimidating in the mortal instruments um and this one it was like if there was a baby born it was you know within this little clan um it was going to be Jem, and then when he finds out that they named their first kid after him, like you can't tell me, like they even say he turns away and hides his face because he doesn't want them to see like his emotions because he is a silent brother. He's like, I gotta keep it, you know. He's trying here. He's trying really hard to be this, you know, the stoicism that comes with being a silent brother, and he just he can't, like, you know, I love Jem. A good person. He's such a good. He's such a good person. And as Isabel Lightwood says, "When did Brother Zachariah get hot?" Isabel, he's always been he's hot. He's always been hot. Isabel, Isabel, hun, always. He's always been gorgeous. Um, Will's, Will's like suicide kind of fight with the wolves and like Wolsey Scott and and that whole like burying of the dagger and and Will's like mad dash to to the to the mountain Idris is just so that is something that like okay so in 2020 it was announced that this series was picked up by like BBC BBC like this, okay I forgot I completely forgot about that but I remember how excited you were and I was like I was so happy for you I was shared in that excitement I, had, I knew nothing about the books but you go no if there's any network that can pick this up and should pick this up it should be BBC yeah there's been like no movement on it like since that happened well, well, like COVID and COVID. stuff yeah there's been no announcement but like this but specifically like the BBC doing Will's mad dash through Wales in like thunderstorms on horseback with like 
the lightning and the the scenery like can't you just see it like oh my god it'd be like pole dark just like oh my god there's no other i i, I stand there is no other network who deserves not only deserves this series but can do it justice yeah no yeah the, the bbc and like you know one two three you know which what, what whichever one uh the bbc is the perfect home for this but oh my god yeah and will's mad dash is just like so you could just like see it with the music and you know his like shirt and his collar with his his coat you know oh Flappy. my god, oh, Flappy. god. So amazing. And then Will gets to the mountain and then Will sees Tessa and they finally have sex and we get the birthmark. But before that, we get this really beautiful exploration of grief between the two of them. Um, that, you know, Will has to tell Tessa that Jem is dead and he, he holds her for like hours and hours and hours and they, she goes through like all of this and, and they end up having sex. And then she in the morning is just like, was like I can't believe I did that. Like this, this like guilt that I have, and like with Jem, and like who is this person? But Will is just like ba bam. <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, you know they're woken up by Magnus. <laughs> you know I love Magnus. You know, prior before we start talking about Magnus, I think part of that comes with uh, she's a woman in the 1800s who just lost her virginity. Uh, you know, which is like her virtue. Um, I use, I'm using air quotes and she wasn't married. So I feel like that's where the guilt comes from. And then of course, yeah, she's probably thinking like, who am I? Like my, my fiance just died. And here I am with this other person that I love. And you know, any, like any girl, she's like, is, is he regretting that we did this? Is he having second thoughts? You know, it, a lot of people have these, you know, thoughts that are going through, especially because they they don't know what they are. They're just kind of, you know, and she even says, she goes, I don't know what I'm doing, but my body's just like doing its own thing at this point. It's it's a lovely uh fade to black scene. Um it's a I think it's a perfect example that not everything needs spice. Sometimes romance is just great. I think this goes back to I know I'm it's no stranger that I love the romance parts of these, of just books in general. I think it's sweet. There, there's nothing, you know, it, it's, it was, you know, th three and, you know, two and a half books leading up until this point. Um, super slow burn. And I think it was just, it made it that much more special, you know? And then, and then how great is it that even after all of this, he's still like, I want to court you. I want to be very formal. I want to be a gentleman. And it's just courting doesn't exist anymore. And there's something very special that I can understand because it's been a very long time since I've read historical, like romance and historical, fic like historical romance fiction that I can see the appeal even that much more because there is a tradition there that doesn't really exist anymore. Um, it's just, it's changed. Things change with time. I get it, but there's just something special that, you, you know, you didn't have to put out to be liked. Well, and Will's, Will's speech about being catastrophically in love with Tessa. I mean, I know my next boyfriend. I'll I'll do a reread, and if he sees me sobbing on the couch, not questioning me, but just like looking over at me and be like, "I'm in love with this girl who's in love with fictional boyfriends," then I'm like, then I'll know he's written by. A woman. It's such a uh, he's such a good 
Will Herndale is such a good character and his speech is so good. Like, Tess, I am catastrophically in love with you. How do you, and with his, with his black hair and his blue eyes, which the thing, the thing that breaks me about Tessa forgetting the color. Oh God. About Tessa forgetting the color blue of his eyes is that, uh, earlier in the books that she was wearing blue pansies in her hair and she says that they are the exact color of his eyes so like we as the reader know that they're pansy blue but like it shows that like tessa is faded for tessa and it's just oh yeah spiral yeah i'm gonna spiral but i know i'm gonna pull it together i'm gonna pull it together uh so you, so that after that moment magnus shows up we're gonna magnus. talk about good things we're gonna love magnus magnus and magnus you know i love magnus and magnus has made reference to henry in the mortal instruments he's like you know i have met other nephilim that have been ridiculed by the clave and like called names but they were genius and brilliant um you asked me if henry died like no henry didn't die Henry's yeah, part, I yeah. thought he died. Yeah, yeah, I thought he died in that moment yeah. where they were like his, and everybody kind of. I don't want to say they wrote him off, but they go like, Charlotte, we gotta go. Like we we're we're losing here. We just need to retreat. And she's like, his heart is still beating. I'm not leaving him. And then, like, what I love about Magnus in this book is every time you know, in the epilogue of Clockwork Angel, maybe it was the epilogue. He there's reference how he goes. Oh yeah, it was the epilogue how shadow hunters only use him he, he he only knows shadow hunters because they use him and then we obviously know from the mortal instruments like he's just like tired of being used but this affinity that he's created with the london institute with you know with charlotte with henry with will with tasso with, with everybody you know that he's not feeling used this is this is coming from like a kinship that he's developed with them. And I think that's so special because even Cecily, she goes, just just get Magnus. She didn't know what he can do, but she I think they always treated Magnus as a person and not something that they can like they weren't how some people could like would be maybe opportunists when it comes to utilizing Magnus and he was like a warlock for hire in a way. That was never the case with this true found family. Well, yeah. Yeah. And and the thing with um, Henry, too, is that Magnus and Henry make the portal together. Right. Yeah. They and there was, like, there was skepticism because, you know, Mag- when, once Magnus realizes what Henry's doing, he goes, this is brilliant. You should you should be glorified. And he goes, the only person who talks to me like that is my wife. And she's like my number one hype man. And he goes... But he goes, I under, he goes, you're using the right runes, but it basically he was like, it can't work on runes alone. And I think because he worked on it with, maybe talking this out, because he worked on it with Magnus, that's where the magic was allowed. If he had just been a shadow hunter trying to utilize magic and runes, that's when it would have been illegal. But if they worked on it together, that's kind of gave it obviously gave them the extra push and uh two points here did you pick up that henry invented glitter no yeah henry invented glitter magnus is in the laboratory for the first time and he's looking around and he picks up a vial and he opens it and he's like oh henry's like you throw that and it reveals ghosts right oh right and magnus goes you know if i put this on my skin i would shine for days 
And Henry I go- didn't come on. I remember that line. I didn't. I didn't make the connection. It's glitter. Henry it's invented glitter. glitter. Um, yeah. Of like, course, Magnus wants to be covered in glitter. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it so much because you know he has the sequin armor too. So that's that's the first like wonderful little thing. The second thing, which is just like just fun, is that isn't it interesting that Clary Fairchild has the power to create portals? Yeah. Isn't that just nice? And like Henry and like Charlotte Fairchild are, you know, like it's just it's just I nice. love also like let's let's shout out to the feminist Henry Branwell when they had a kid and they said that they were going to the child was going to take uh, Charlotte's last name because she was HBIC. Her name was All Power. She's like, you won't have a problem with them taking my name. He goes, absolutely not. Like, this is, my wife's a badass. Like, number one. Henry Branwell, number one. We love, we love, oh, we love so much. I, I do. I adore Henry. I adore Henry. Um, okay. Okay, so... Um, I feel like we could talk about this forever. We, we, we just we, keep, like, spying. I know. We, should, we haven't even talked about Gideon and Sophie and the incident of scones. <gasps> I feel like it's almost like each episode needs to be about... It's because, you know what? This is a perfect example of... And maybe we had talked about this in The Mortal Instruments also, where it's not always about the main character. Sometimes the side characters feel like the main characters themselves. Love... Love for Sophie and Gideon. I have, you know, and even Gabriel and Ceci, uh, because Gabriel is such a simp for Ceci Harrendale, like, as he should be. As he should be. <laughs> That's um, I right. Love <laughs> I, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love that even Tessa says, I love that your sister keeps you in place and she's definitely going to keep him in his place. Like, I absolutely here for it. You know, they were just the best of friends because I, you know, that they were the type who would team up against well, just because they can for the hell of it. I, I love that. Sophie, you know, what? I, I guess from the beginning of this book, because you knew Gabriel and Sophie were like super like into each other. They had those like secret moments in the hall where they were just like not even kissing. They were just like intensely staring at each other because it's the 1800s um, holding hands against the wall. And then it was like Sophie had to put the wall up in book three because she goes, I don't know what's going on. This is a lot. I'm just going to distance myself. Because he lives there now. Oh, okay. So that's what she's like. I have to, you know, she's kind of like a separation of church and state. Right. Because the last time she was in that situation. um, Right. Her, her previous owner. No, like employer, employer, um, you know, did awful things to her. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she like distanced herself and she did share that with Gabriel, which is nice. And he was just like so shocked. Like it almost made more sense. I do. Like, she finds the scones. And, like, I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Like, he just, he was just trying to, like, find ways to interact with her. And Sophie's like, no, 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 you no. You gave me more work. <laughs> Do you have any idea how fucking heavy this tray is that this you're is making big, me? Like, look at, like, not even, like, a big-ass house. This is a freaking castle, it feels like. Like, I just imagine it very, like, Hogwarts slash Notre Dame. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I kind of depict it as this all-encompassing thing and she's like no that was rude 
made more work for me. She's like, now we're going to have mice. Oh, it's so <laughs> funny. And he's humiliated. And it's so funny. Oh, my God. And then, like, Bridget comes. And Bridget just is like, I'm here to clean out the scones. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then, so, yeah. And then they get married or they're engaged. And the- I like when she calls him out on that, too. He's like, he professes this love and when we get married. And then they finally, like... Sessie's like, okay, everybody, let's let's go. And then like Gideon tried to go. She goes, like, not you. You stay. He's like, oh, and right. The- <laughs> and then they're having the conversation in the room, and he's just being all presumptuous. And Sophie goes, You still haven't asked me. Yeah. She goes, You talked about it. You told everybody. You declared to everybody. She goes, What about me? I just I I love them. I love them. They're so they're so great. They're so great. And then Sophie ascends, which is wonderful. So now Sophie is a shadow hunter, and and it's so perfect. And then that, of course, that that moment uh, is is when Will uh, says another epic line to Tessa because Will goes outside and he, and he talks to Magnus. And um, I don't I don't know if you caught this, but Will was like, Magnus, you're leaving. Like you didn't say goodbye to Tessa. And Magnus see her. Yeah, I know where you're going with that because I started crying there too. Yeah, he was like, uh, it was something like, I don't need to say. I don't need to see. I'll see see her. her We'll see each other again. And you know, like he's he's saying it in like such a, a melancholy way that he can't. He he's he's been around forever. Yeah, and we know. Yeah. And Magnus has church. Magnus has church, and Magnus is going to New York. New York. Yes. Yeah, I picked up on that. Okay, so that's how church gets to New York. That's how church so I'm, gets I'm to gonna, New York. I'm going to get a cat when I get another cat. <laughs> I'm going to name him church cat. Church, church cat. Church cat. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah. So, okay, so Will, what does Will say? Will Will says, um, you know, um, you know, Tessa, you can take a shadow hunter name. You can have a real shadow hunter. Or, and Tessa's like, <laughs> I can have proposes? a real. Yeah. And, and Will's like, of course you can have a real shadow hunter name. You can have mine. And I was like, ah. God, that's so he goes, good. Or you, can, or you can have or your, your own. Yours. Or your own. Like these men. These men in the 1800s. These, Because you know what? Women are not, pro- to the shadow hunters, women are not property. And they right. say that. And they even say that with her heart, with who she loves. She goes, my heart is my own. It does not belong to Jem. It does not belong to Will. It belongs to myself. I just. <sighs> <sighs> so then, okay. So we talked about. Um, we, we talked about all the couples except for really, uh, Cecily and Gabriel, and I love them. They're, they're so wonderful. Uh, C- Cecily is just, I, and I love, I love Gabriel, and I love Gabriel's whole storyline here. Like, Gabriel almost does, like, betray Charlotte, right? Like, right. you were very angry with Gabriel for, yeah. for, for most of this book, but then he doesn't do it. And he goes to Charlotte, and he's like, look, look, the consul. I didn't send it. Like, yeah, I didn't send the letter. The consul threatened, like, to take everything from me if I didn't do this. He's like, but I, I want to fight with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And, and I like that because, like, everyone was going around saying like um you know i want to to like declare myself and like fight for charlotte like she's oh captain my captain yeah like she's a leader and like oh it was just so wonderful and yeah and, and gabriel oh, so funny but i love that line too like not necessarily that line but that part where there was just like this observation saying this loyalty like what is it like Waylon wants power and he assumes that having power will 
equate to having this crazy loyalty and what the what you see happening with Charlotte and and it wasn't just the shadow hunters it was you know every everybody who was at the institute it was Bridget and you know it was Bridget it was Cyril it was Sophie it was silent brothers coming you can't that is you know you can't ask for that you know that comes with leadership and that's a big conversation that I always had with my previous employer where um with different roles with different roles and different titles people would be like either like managers or they would have the term leaders and or and the thing was a manager was always a leader and i would say i and, you know especially if i don't like somebody and towards the end of my tenure there i was very honest i would say you know i think it does a disservice calling certain people managers when they're so much more than that that they're the true leaders in a in a managerial capacity and then you have managers who are just or you have leaders because if you're thinking about like the hierarchy that a manager is over a leader um you have leaders who are in these positions and they're the ones who should truly be in the higher role and i think it's just i think that's how it's depicted here that Waylon can have all the power he wants. That doesn't mean he's a leader. You know, he has the title. He, you know, he has, you know, all the glory that could come with it, but he's not it in the in the true sense of the the what it what should it what it should come with. Oh. That's absolutely right. That's like respect is earned, not given. Like, ugh, ugh, gosh. Um And I love after all the bullshit that she, you know, when I was talking about like this is why women just have to do it and then like figure it out later. She did do it. She said, fuck it. You know, we're either going to come back from this thing unalive. So it's not going to make a difference or we're going to come back and shit's going to hit the fan. So she just went to the clave because at that point she knew no message was getting sent to the clave because Josiah had that roadblock. And then when you had the whole shadow hunters council, everybody, I feel like that was also like his, like shot his ego down where he was like, no, 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 listen to me. And everybody was like, well, we want to hear from Charlotte. And they, oh, well, Charlotte's not here. She's doing this other thing. What does that say about her? And everybody would say, why are we here having a conversation about leadership when like actual automatons are coming. And so it was just that much more satisfying that I was just like, okay, and yeah. you know that like that was just like, okay, child, anyway. Uh- <laughs> I feel like we need to talk about Magnus's fantastic line. Um you you wrote you down- endure you yeah. endure what is unbearable and you bear it. Yeah. I say it with such disdain because if I don't, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I wrote you a whole thing the other morning. I felt so bad. It was like seven in the morning. So it was five o'clock for you. I, I go, love oh. it. Sometimes I forget. I'm like, I'm, I'm glad she knows not to check WhatsApp right away. <laughs> I love it. You know, I love getting stuff like that. Um, Magnus is full of little gems of wisdom in this book. And this is one of those lines that I, I don't know. Like Cassie Clare has some sort of magic Right. Like there, there are some lines that are just just be in that cottage with her and Holly that I mean that I would I would sign up for a raffle. Oh, my God. I I just don't understand how you can like write stuff like that. Like 
And, and, and it's so true. It's, it's just so true. And it's applicable to like everybody, to, to everybody in this situation too. Like, I feel ugh. like I think, I know we talk a lot about uh, on the podcast about revisiting, you know, things can hit hard the first time around and it hits and you're like, oh my gosh. And then if you revisit it later in life or at different points in your life, these, the things that you're revisiting can hit differently based on new lived experiences. And this line is just so, it's not one person can say, I truly believe not one person can say they don't relate to that line. It's just, it's so beautiful. In whatever capacity it relates to you, it doesn't necessarily have to be about loss. But, you know, whenever, you know, we we kind of become dismissive on social media and, you know, you're like, oh, man, we're going through it. But in the truest sense of the word, we're all going through it in some capacity. So if this line, if there's any line that doesn't hit you in this book, if there's any line that hits you in this book, it would be this one. It would be that one. Oh my gosh, Magnus. And I also just love Magnus. He's like, I was in the rabies section. Like, Wolsey bites. I'm concerned. <laughs> and, and, and he says it really deadpan. And then everyone else is just like, oh. I love Magnus. Like, ah, you saw my, I was at the bookstore the other day and I was like, oh my God, there's a Magnus book. How did you not tell me? And you go, well, you know, if you want, if you want to read it. And I was like, why are we going to act like I'm not going to want to read it? There's actually two. Uh, there's there's Magnus, his backstory, like the Magnus Bane Chronicles, and then there's Magnus and Alec together in the <gasps> Scrolls of Magic series. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's wow. fun. It's my VIP. I love Magnus. Oh, okay. So, so after we need to talk about Tessa turning into the angel. This is another instance of Tessa, like, as you said, I, and I agree with you, like, Tessa does the stuff. She does the work. She, uh, makes the sacrifice. As you said, she wasn't sure how this was going to turn out. And it turned out to be very sad for the reader, if you're a savvy reader, because this angel that has been, like, keyed to her life to protect her is the same angel that Valentine Morgenstern summons and imprisons and then uses his blood on Clary and Jace. So this poor fucking angel has spent so long imprisoned twice, and then we know that this angel uses a seraph blade to unalive himself. And that is just also so fucking sad. To go through and endure everything that angel has done for arguably centuries. Yeah. You know? It's just, yeah, it's just, it's sad. It's just like one of those little, little details that like, you're like, oh, oh, that's sad. Um, But Tessa, Tessa is, you know, okay, before this, before this, the silent brothers, three silent brothers answer Charlotte's call. Brother Enoch, Brother Zechariah, and Brother Micah. Brother Micah dies very quickly. And then the reveal about Brother Zechariah isn't until, like, in the middle of the battle, when the, right. ato- the automaton, like, has him, is, like, holding him up, and his, his hood is thrown back. Okay, that's what I was wondering, because Charlotte said, she says, like, oh, these you know, we have guests or whatever. And then she realizes that the silent brothers are there. And then she's like, she says the three names and 
that's why I I was wondering. I go, how does nobody put that Zachariah's gem? So that's so their hoods were up this whole time, and it's when Jem's hood falls back. That was, and and Tess was the first one to see it during the battle. Straight up freezes. Same. Um, and then of course, like she's going down, like, oh my god, my fiance. You know, she's not knowing the details because now she's thinking, oh my god, my fiance's still alive. Oh my god, I slept with his best friend, even though I love him. I mean, again, very Pearl Harbor moment <laughs> all over again. Like shit, I'm in a battle, and this is what. And then you know, she shakes out of it real quick because she has to. And same thing happens with Will. Will's like, fuck, man, <laughs> like. Like, and you know, I think there's a part where he, like, he he feels his scar or something, and he goes, like, like he's confused for a second because he doesn't know. It's just, it's just so sad. And then for that whole battle, they're, they're fighting, like, side by side, and, and Will is, like, um, uh, like, joking with him, being, like, you know, nice stick, and, like, it's a staff, and, like, they're, they're having this, like, Banter. banter and and it's like they're back to back and it's like old times right but like and gem and then there's like some insight to gem's thoughts of like this is the last time and you're like oh no and will ha- will reflects on that too he's like you know if i would have known that this was the last time and like the and and i feel like i feel like that's an important part of this book too is like the characters kind of realize like looking back like the enormity of things, like, especially with Jem, it's like, well, this is the last time that I was with Jem here and like here and here. It's just, it's just so, so, so sad. But, uh But I mean, that goes with like all those quotes to say, if you had known your last time would have been the last time, like, what would you have done differently? Oh my God. Um, yeah. Uh, so Henry, Henry is paralyzed here. We learn that Henry is paralyzed. Magnus kind of heals him and like does what he can. But uh, like like Kale, um, you know, ma- magic can only do so much. And uh, he is he is paralyzed, and it ma- he kind of like builds himself the bath chair, and his like life now is trying to like make his like you know a wheelchair pretty much. Um, so we we have that with Henry and Charlotte. We know is pregnant. Um, the first baby is going to be Charles Buford, mm-hmm. um, and Jem. So and and like so. Okay, so but before this, Tess is the angel, and she burns with heavenly fire, which is you know, and uh, you know she destroys Mortmain, and you know, good riddance. And because what what did he do? He took Pixises and uh, put the Pixis in the automatons and animated the automatons with actual demons that were un. Uh, stoppable to Seraph Blades and we're going to wipe out Shadowhunters. And Mortmain was going to breed Tessa uh, to create a new race of Shadowhunters. That was the plan to get back um, about Shade and he needed Tessa to turn into his dad so that he could get the spell to animate the automatons. That was the whole overarching plot. Um... So we mentioned Jem and Will, a uh, Jem and Tessa's like farewell speech, like, and they're and they're agree and they're meeting, and we did we talk about Will and Jem and their their parting? No. And, oh my god, that that whole no. scene. Because he he was in like the training room, and Jem was just like heartbroken. He goes, "I didn't think it was going to affect me, but like I know like." 
two people that I love so much are like basically down the hall and Gemma's and, and Will's just kind of like trying to detach and uh, Jem shows up and he's like, uh, what are you doing here? I thought you were just going to come say bye to Tessa. And Jem says like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. How You're my parabata. Yeah. Like you, you, you can't honestly think that I was, I was not going to come say bye to you. Oh my gosh. And then they have like this whole, gosh, it's like, um, you know, keep my oil, keep my violin oiled and like clean. And, like maybe one day there'll be somebody and he's like, you know, I won't be around. And Will's like, you know, fuck you. You'll be around. Yeah. And- or like, hey, I keep my, I keep this little box by my bed that keeps the Yen Fin that I, and he was like, again, like, what the fuck? Like, are you really trying? Like, let, let's, here's a constant reminder of like, just, you're not here. And he goes, then he like went through the importance of like how it used to be his mother's and it was this patron saint and just, and that, 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 that the saint basically looked out for others the way, you know, nobody was going to look after the mortals or something. So it was, she took on that responsibility to look after them instead of transcending into heaven. Oh God. And then, and then, and then we have Will and Tessa. We have the epic Christmas party, of course, that London is famous for. Uh, that is, you know, mentioned over and again. And, and then um, Will's proposal, Magnus's goodbye. And then we have, um, you know, basically uh, the meeting of the parents in Wales, where Will introduces Gabriel as Lightworm. And we love I that. I love that. We love that. And we get to see uh, Will and Ceci's mom and dad. But then we go straight into the epilogue and we've talked about the epilogue. Um, I don't I don't know what else I can say about this epilogue other than like I, I was like shaking as I was listening to it. And I have a stuffed animal cow that I was like holding like this. And I was I was like holding him and like rocking back and forth because Will's like deathbed scene is too much for me. And and the reunion scene um, with Tessa and Jem and Jem being so insecure and so unsure and so timid, but also like he's so young that that's the thing. Like he's so young in like human years, but he's so old in like supernatural years. Right. And he, it's just like this beautiful mix. And like, he's, he's like young and like happy and healthy and just like, well, well they both are, they both mm-hmm. are. They're kind of, it's that whole frozen in time thing that happens with anything in fantasy and supernatural that which is a huge reason why there, there's so much moving around because they can't be you know in that which is also so nice where she's like see the world with me there's still so much to see you know and they're just so like i understand his insecurity because you know here he's been loving her for over a hundred years and he also knows that how deeply in love he she was with his best friend and when she's like, she's still wearing his jewelry that she gave them for like various anniversaries. And he's already so like intimidated by that great love. And it was almost like when she pulls out his, his family ring, he had no idea that it, he, cause he's just looking at the, the pearl, like the black pearl neck uh, bracelet, bracelet and, knowing how attached she you know how how close she keeps will he's like in his head he's probably like 
I can't compete with that. And this goes back to Clockwork Prince where I was like, he's just so can't believe that his dream girl wants him back. And then when he sees that she still has his family ring and she told you, she was like, like, I didn't tell you because I didn't want you to have some sort of sense of expectation or obligation to me because I understood um, where you were amongst the silent brothers. And I didn't want you to put me in this thing of, you know, push me away. Either. It was just, it was just so beautiful. And it was really like that moment. I think he realized also, Oh, I knew she loved me, but I didn't like to know that she, her depth of her love was as deep as it was with Will's, albeit in a different way, because he is a different person. And that's said, you know, in the book too, like you could have instead of, you know, she has two great loves. She loves Will the way she loves Will and she loves Jem the way she loves Jem. And they're both very different, but they're just as deep. I think it's just, it's just, and it's so beautifully conveyed. It isn't just like a, Oh, I love you. I mean, their interactions. And I say they, as in all three of them. Yeah. Between, and, and, and every, in every capacity between Tessa and Will, between Will and Jem, between Tessa and Jem, everybody between Will. It's all, it's all, it's all there. Couldn't they have just been in a polyamorous relationship and she could have been like a walking uterus if her, instead of her mortmain for both of them. And then like, it just, I would have been fine. It would have been fine. I have never wanted three people in a relationship more than I do the three of them. Who are you in love with? Fuck you. <laughs> Who are you in love with? I don't know. I don't know. I almost feel like... Tessa really got the best of both worlds, right? She got like, you know, Will for all of his mortal life. And then she, she, she almost, well, you know, she got Jem for his immortal life. And and then some, she really got the best of both worlds. It was almost like Jem waited out and now he's like, my turn. That's not the answer. Not really. That's, That's not, not an answer. No, I don't want to answer. Like, I, I don't want to answer. I don't know how. I want to say, Will, every, you know what it is? I go back to how I was at the beginning of Clockwork Angel, where, no, because Clockwork Angel, I was like, Jem! Um, and at the beginning of Clockwork Prince, I knew whenever Jem was on, like, on screen, I was wholeheartedly in love with Jem. And then whenever Will was up, I was wholeheartedly in love with Will. Um, God. Right now, I'm going to just say Will. But I feel like that's going to change the more I read. It's just, it's so hard. It's so different. It's yeah. so different. Ugh. Yeah. Like, it's not just, you know, you know, with, um, with the Bat Boys, everybody is, like... Everybody kind of ranks them, right? And everybody has one that they lean towards. I understand. I mean, I don't not in real life, but based on the book, I understand where Tessa was like, uh, yeah, how, no. how do you choose? Imagine both of them standing in front of you. Like, uh, no. Like, I could not pick. I don't think I could pick. I don't think I could. I turn away. I turn away and say, yeah. this isn't fair. Yeah. And I, I, would, I, would cho- I would choose my... I'm like, if I can't have both, I don't want either. I'd be super dramatic about that. Like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I will say, like, Will Herondale is my book boyfriend. Like, I love him so much. Is like, he one of your top book boyfriends? Yeah. Which- yeah. He... Ever since I met him, 
I, I say. Uh, <laughs> ever since I met Will Herndale, he has been one of my like <laughs> top, top book boyfriends. He's just so, he's so wonderful. Okay, okay. So, um, uh, Jess, do you like this book? Do you like this series? Yes. 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 Well, obviously. Yes. I don't know. I, you know, I almost, I feel like sometimes if I like want a good cry, like, you know, when you just need something cathartic, you're like, I don't know what's setting me off, but I need something to set me off. Um, I usually put on PS I Love You and I haven't done that in years because I just know how I get from like the first two minutes in um, through the whole movie because it's devastating. Um, This is that book where you're like, I need a cry. I need to like, I just when we started this episode, maybe even before we started recording, this is why is this hurting as much as kingdom of ash and i sobbed through the entirety of kingdom of ash um but it's just it's so different it's so tragic and when you presented the you know i'll I'll say like spoilers prior to reading i knew that i also knew that i i had like a book hangover from the first one because i didn't start clockwork prince right away because i was still processing that gem was zachariah um Knowing things just, it's so, it's so much, it's that whole bigger picture thing. And to make that connection. So like every chapter, every read, it was like, wait, but we also know this in the future. So it just becomes that much more devastating the entire time. It's two very emotional reads for two very different reasons. Because then in a way, in a way... This still isn't a happily ever after because it's like Kingdom of Ash, spoiler, Minorian, where you know they're going to have a life, but at some point there's going to be an end again. Or when it comes to the court of Terrison, everybody's going to have an end at a certain point. It's just, it's all just devastatingly heartbreaking. I feel like I think I told you like this 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 three book series hits very hard for me uh in a comparable but very different way uh, like as you're saying than Throne of Glass because like the sobbing that I'm doing in in this book especially Clockwork Princess is a very like real kind of like real life like these are real people I feel like I know these people right like these these are real people that like for the most part like don't have like supernatural ability not really right like not really like will dies he live he becomes an old man and he dies like you know it's just they're not fey warriors that are 500 years old going out and leading armies and stuff they're like like they're teenagers you know like it's a real story that i feel like i can I can take and like read and like cry about like real life things instead of like a like a super like magic thing. Well, and that makes sense. I mean, with the exception of runes, like you said, I mean, even with Bridget and Sophie and Sarah, you have people who are just they're not shadow hunters initially. And um they're they're being they're trained. It's like if anybody went through some training, you know, not and okay, here are your self defense skills. 
put them to the test if you ever have to use them. You have the skill set. And I, there's something to be said there. And I mean, we won't even broach the topic of the whole gem of it all of living while you're dying. Um, that's its own storyline. But it, it's it makes sense why it, it's it's re- it's relatable. Yeah, it is. It's very relatable. So, Jem, or I'm sorry. So, <laughs> uh, Jess, nine books in. Not that I'm asking you to continue your Shadow Hunter journey. I'm just saying, like in general, where do you, where would you want to go? Because we need a we need to take a break, obviously. Because anywhere we go, we'd have a big hangover from this. Yeah, I, I here's here's my thing because I think I said yesterday. Um, Magnus, Magnus, Magnus. And then it's like, well, we could also like explore Jem's journey through the Silent Brother. You know, we, there's also other things with the Shadowhunter Academy and like exploring Simon's Ascension. Um, and now I didn't even want to touch LA. I was just like, Magnus! Well, that was my, <laughs> that was my other thing. I was like, okay, well, I'm going to give her all these pages now. Like she, she might want to go with Jem and Tessa. Uh, you know, out to LA. So we've got all of these options for her. So I guess I, I, I do I want to keep going? Absolutely. My two part question would be which way would be the best to go? And secondly, I remember I had said with reading the, sh- uh, the mortal instruments. And then when I was starting back into the infernal devices, I said, you know what? I don't want to take a break because there's a lot of little things that I, with the, the mortal instruments, I said, there's a lot of little things that I completely forgot about because we took a break from the, after the first three books. And you said, well, definitely we won't do that with the infernal devices. So I just don't know where that leaves us here. Like, do we take a break or do I not take a break and start piecing everything together? Because there's a lot of things with the mortal instruments that you were reminding me of where I go, I completely, I feel like it was one of those school tests where you remember everything for what you need to remember it. And you just like, okay. Moved on, on to the next. Um, so I don't know if like that, where we go with that with this. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. So I was thinking about this and I sent you a website that has every single Cassandra Clare story. I mean, individual story, like in in the novellas, she, uh, this website has taken out the individual stories and put them in like chronological order as they happen. So like Magnus and Jem have... Uh, you know, have some stuff and then Infernal Devices and then there's the other series and I'll tell you about that. And then and then it goes like that. So we could do that or we could approach it a different way. So how about if you're listening to this, bless you for you're making it this far. <laughs> and how about uh, y'all tell us where you would like us to go. Do you want us to go to and here are here are your options. Do you want us to go to L.A. and do the Dark Artifices? Do you want us to go with Simon to the Shadowhunter Academy? Do you want us to follow Jem on Ghost of the Shadow Market? Or do you want us to go to Magnus's background with the Magnus Bane Chronicles? Or should we go to Magnus and Alec in their standalone? Uh, I think we would have to look at the order for this one, but I think we could absolutely do the first one here. So we have five options. Listeners, please tell us where you would like us to go. (laughs) I'm looking at you. You look overwhelmed. I looked overwhelmed, but I'm also thinking about when these episodes are airing. And I don't know if I want to wait two months (laughs) to wait for here to hear where somebody wants us to read. 
Well, Jess, um, where, based on those five options, where would you like want to go? Just like, what, where's your gut say? I think I need some fun. <laughs> I even told you, I said, you know, um, I, I guess we could announce it now that we're, um, now that this episode's in December. Um, I was like, I need Shadow in the Ember and, uh, in some smut because I need something light. I have been crying all week. I sent pictures of Laura and she goes, you look emotionally exhausted. I go, good. Cause I am. That's exactly how I feel. And, um, we, we, the, we received arcs for a shadow in the ember and we're very excited. It's our first arc ever as a podcast and we're kind of like still squealing about it. <laughs> so I feel like I might just, I, I need, I need a break cause I don't need to cry. Uh, yeah, I just, I think I need some smut. <laughs> I need some smut. A little bit of smut, a little bit of smut, and then we will see. We have five options. We'll so, see like, where we Magnus go. So, like, if Magnus is fun, is he, de- is, like, his stuff devastating? Because I feel like I can't, you know what? Let's nix one of them. Uh, let's not do gem stuff yet, because I emotionally, <laughs> I don't think I could handle anything with, with gem right now. So let's, so that takes out, I think... Now this takes yeah. out the dark artifices and his his standalone for just just for a moment because I just emotionally I I'm gonna just I'm gonna cry and you're gonna tell me it's it, there's nothing sad about this this is good I feel like you're gonna be like this is good they're together things are happy like Jem's gonna see Emma and I'm just gonna be still holding on to like 1876 with <laughs> uh, Jem and it's gonna hurt. Well, you bring that up. You, I saw in your notes, um, Emma, Emma has a sword and that's. Yes. <laughs> I said that because they're talking about the sword. Cortana. And I was like, I know that sword. <laughs> Cortana. We met Cortana, the sword that Emma has. And now we know where it came. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. We, we can talk about Shadow Hunters now because Jess is nine books in for a long time and we have. So let's, let's cap this one. I know there's so much that we could talk about this. You know, we haven't. There's, yeah, we haven't talked about it a lot, but you know, the, the beauty of Shadow Hunters is that we can always dive back into, um, any of the stories and, and just talk about it, especially with the novellas. There's so much to pull from there. So, okay. So, Jess, you're a fan. You're a fan. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. So, not only have you been proven wrong about crying, another Wife. author <laughs> making you cry, um, you you had said that you did not realize that another author could describe love the way that Sarah had that, like, made you feel. Um, yeah. And that happened here. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have nothing else to say except, you know, I just was just crying, you know, and it was, it's just so, it's just so beautifully portrayed and it's something so special. You know, I think I just said, like, I love, you know, I love love. I think it's something so special in its truest, purest form. Um, I think love can be a very special thing if it's healthy, if it's not toxic, if there's communication. Um, And I think because of my respect and appreciation for love and what it is. I'm not that girl who's just like, I love love so much that you just find me in and out of relationships because I'm just so enamored by it. Cause that's not what it is. I think it's, it. I, I feel like it's this, this huge, big um, responsibility that you share with 
other people. Oh, that was really lovely. <laughs> oh, look at Jess throwing out all these beautiful quotes. Gosh. <laughs> and I've, I've got nothing. I'm just like, yeah, I'm sad. I'm real sad all the time. I'm just sad all the time. These are just hitting all the feels. Ugh. Will Herondale hitting all the feels. Gemma Carstairs, how you be so good. Be such a good, good man. Um, yeah, that's all I've got for right now. I'm emotionally drained. I yeah. can't wait to go to bed. I've been crying all day. Main character energy. I was crying outside while I was on a walk. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. So... I think we need to cut it here or our editor is going to yell at us already. This is a long one, but we appreciate everybody who's listening to us on this journey. Um, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram, Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Feel free to reach out and um, we appreciate you all. Thanks for your patience and we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.